Welcome back to the basement, audio adventurer seekers. You're now tuned in to Chunky Glass, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin. As usual, I'll be your guide this morning, evening, afternoon, whenever you are choosing to take this journey with us. Uh, I hope you tuned in, long-time listeners. I hope you tuned in last week, or last Monday, to hear uh, our conversation, me, Marcus Dowling, and Marcus Moore sitting around talking about Kendrick Lamar. I said it then, and I'll say it now. It was it was an honor to have those guys down here together uh, on the podcast. Uh, little spoiler: they're going to be back for Anderson Pock. That's coming up uh, next Monday. Um, it, was, it was quite frankly amazing. If you haven't listened to it, take a listen. It, it was as fun to uh, do as I imagine it's fun to listen to. This week we have another great podcast for you, though. Uh, mainly due to the fact that somebody made a great fucking album. Talking about talent to get down, stay down. Uh, that also is a spoiler, but you know what? Uh, this is one of those that jumps up and grab you, uh, grabs you by the throat and says, hey, listen to me because I'm awesome. And it, and it most most indubitably is. I mean, anytime you throw Tao and her, her, her cohorts in the get down, stay down, and then Meryl Garbus, a.k.a. Toon Yards, into a room, into a studio together, you can't imagine good things come out. Uh, I don't think anybody imagined that something this phenomenal came out. So, um, again, that's a little bit of a spoiler. Uh, all that is to say that if you have not listened to the album yet, please go listen to it, then come back and listen to us yap. Because it, it will make your life better. That's my estimation. Let's do it at headphones, too. But uh, we've got that. We've got a little discussion about Bob Dylan's archive, which you can hear Patrick geek out a little bit about. And then, uh, you know, got some Finnish black metal you know because nothing goes with town to get down stay down and bob dylan like finish black metal uh aranzi pazuzu has a new album out and uh, we've got a track for you so that is your podcast uh right here right now it's gonna finish off this week so here you go this is episode number 164 a chunky glass of the podcast we're reviewing the new album from town to get down stay down a man alive okay it happens here and it finishes here Two men enter, one man leaves. Merely a two-word review, just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up and then ask me. That right there is a logical fallacy. You guys about ready? Yeah, man. Why not? Uh, another Thursday night down here in the basement. Uh, Patrick and Eduardo, thank you for uh, braving the impending snowstorm that is not going to bury DC. Uh, tonight, uh, before we get to our album talk, which I think is going to be a, a spirited discussion, we're talking about Tao and the Get Down, Stay Down. Uh, I want to talk about a little news. I think, Patrick, I'll let you <laughs> I- introduce this because oh, no. it really is only germane <laughs> to you, sir. All right. Well, I don't have the article queued up in front of me, but for those playing along at home, you, if you've listened to this podcast before and heard me, you've probably heard people make fun of me for being a Dylanologist slash Dylan devotee worshiper. Uh, there was a New York Times article yesterday. Apparently, <laughs> Bob Dylan, despite all the bootlegs and other things that have come out over the years and sold at auction, uh, was sitting on a treasure trove of like papers, drafts of lyrics, 
letters, recordings, rough cuts of things, notes on films, all kinds of things that has now been given over. Is it the University of Tulsa? Notes on films? Yep. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, no, not like films he watched, like uh, Eat the Document and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, editing notes. Because he edited Eat the Document, which is why it's pretty much yeah, unwatchable. Yeah. Um, various drafts of Tarantula, his book of beat poetry that is utterly unreadable, said someone who <laughs> worships the ground he walks on. So uh, so they've announced, that just came out, and this, there was a big piece in the New York Times for, I think, something somewhere between, it's valued at between 15 and 20 million. I'm forgetting the name of the guy who's a... Uh, the, Holocaust uh, survivor who lives in Oklahoma who's an oil magnate. Kaiser. Kaiser. Yeah. Is it Kaiser? But not like the Kaiser. I, I don't know. Anyway. George, the George Kaiser Family Foundation. Mm-hmm. So it, it's going to end up in the same collection as some Native American art and the Woody Guthrie collection, which I think is part of why Bob acquiesced to this. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, the stuff they describe in there is as- astonishing. Uh, not just that he, not just the lyrics, like where he's drafting and redrafting versions of obviously, you know, uh, touchstone songs of in, in our sure, American sure, history. Sure. But but like the fact that he's writing, like he's, it's not it's not like he sat down and typed and then retyped and then redrafted. He's literally writing them on hotel napkins and stationery, and you can sort of follow the chain apparently through some of these songs. There are forty drafts <laughs> of the lyrics for the song "Dignity," which is a song I like, but it's late period Dylan, and most people don't give a rat's ass about the song "Dignity." Uh, so it's very so for geeks like me, it's it's very exciting to find out that there are forty vision, versions of the song "Dignity," but really most. People don't care. So I would I would read forty versions of the lyrics to Foot of Pride, probably. If right. I, if I could see it evolve yeah. over, you know, a couple Right. Of and that's part to of this pick is, on weird late period Dylan. But right. Is I said this on another podcast. Part of what's interesting about all this, you know, continue you know, the the one C D with thirteen versions of like a Rolling Stone and all this stuff that shows the evolution of the recording of that song is is as much as you may hate baby boomer uh, culture, uh, you know, we are talking about probably the greatest songwriter in the history of America. And you're now, you know, we're opening up, opening up this set of archives that should, will be studied for at least decades, maybe even centuries. And and that's exciting to people like me. And there are people who are going to write PhD theses about this. I'm sure it could be, it could be very fun. On the other hand, you should not have a, Degree, if you're right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, well, people, people do look. When your, people started studying yeah. Shakespeare, I'm sure people said what the same thing. What can you do with that degree? <laughs> what's your PhD in, man? So, Dylan. so it's very exciting for people like me. But maybe where this conversation should go is: is it important? Does it matter? Should we take well, this seriously? My, I don't know. I my mean, first question is, is: does this belong in, say, a museum or the museum? Wait, hold on. Or um, does it? Uh, belong up in like the Wikipedia space is more like an educational tool or even like I'll take it further like into the uh, genius space the genius is a site that you know people go and annotate mm-hmm. all these right. things and so you arguably I don't know if it's up there now and I know there's some weird copyright issues with going on with lyrics now but uh, arguably you know you have all this catalog up there and these can be then annotated as a, as a resource for mm-hmm. this that can both, I think, educate and uh, just illuminate if you're just a super fan. But well, I mean, like, like like Santa Barbara with the Dead, where they have that massive yeah. annotated lyrics collection. Yeah, right? so. yeah. So, so which space do you guys see this, like, that it belongs in? Well, the uh, uh, separate question is, should should it be 
owned by the Smithsonian. Like, what's the proper? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think they're going to put pieces of it online. Is what I understood from the article, right? Which is exciting. I forgot to mention the Red Notebook, which is the um, Blood on the uh, Tracks notebook, which yeah. is yeah. apparently yeah. like was <laughs> guarded by security people for years, and no one was ever allowed to see it. So that also, I think, is part of this collection. Ooh. But but anyway, I think some of it's going to end up online and you, be used for those purposes. I think the larger question is, should it be housed in a private, even though it's a university-related museum, versus should this, I mean, should this be just given over to the general public? I think it, yeah. Good. I was going to say, I think it depends on how access works. Um, and I say this having a good friend who's a uh, very dedicated historian and who relies extensively on like the li- the National Archives and Library of Congress to like... And, and if you're not paying attention to this podcast, you intern at like Folkways. Yeah, so, right, right, right. So like, Smithsonian, right. like the value of having this shit sitting around somewhere where people can access it is is like immeasurable. And that extends to like correspondence between some senator who's not been, you know, in the Capitol for 30 years and I don't know, like a local draft uh, agency just to pick on my friend's work. Um so I think the question about where it belongs is really about whether uh, people who want to do research and the historical analysis um, will have access to it or not. We know that the Library of Congress like will give people access to it. I don't mm-hmm. think a university will be any different. It's it's probably you know as close to like a presidential library or something like that as you can yeah. get, which I think is is a befitting place for it. And I don't begrudge Dylan's right to. To be there, I think it's. I think it's. I think it's great. It's fantastic. Um, I think it, it flies a little bit in the face of uh, everything we've been told about, um, and and to some extent Dylan's ethic, which is sort of like it only happens here, and it happened then. And if you weren't in the village in 1962, then of course you can't possibly understand it. And if right. you know, and this and this live performance is here for you all tonight. And the things that I say here, right. He was, he was asked about statements that he made the night of Obama's election, I think. And he basically said, you can't take those statements out of context and <laughs> tell me that I was talking about hope or change or whatever, like, because it was only real in that moment. And now it's not real. So this, archiving and memorializing Whoa. is yeah, I know I know <laughs> it's a little it's Dylan man that's that's what you know he's going to give you what he's going to give you yeah. um but you know but but there is a little bit of that that that's that's the well, tension it's it's a Dylan mystique and and yeah. with anything like that like, I don't tend to be like a nostalgic person and like my my personal take is this should end up uh in people people should study this but it should end up like having access like unfettered access right you know stuff like that that notebook that's that's uh dylan fetishist thing they they just want to see it that doesn't that's not going to offer any i would stab you to death to get a copy of that notebook. but (laughs) but what would you get out of it other than like the emotional attachment to like that he you know what i'm saying well it's probably worth more than all three of us put together in our lifetime because yes. of because of nostalgic right. things like i don't know the content in that but that but wouldn't they, be why i would but the other you. a lot of the other stuff i think will be and you know i say this as a man who uh when he played austin city limits stood outside his bus with 15 other people and watched him watch television hell yeah i i would it, do that it, it was the most <laughs> surreal fucking thing ever but he was done with his set he was just sitting outside stubs and he was like <laughs> people were like who's that like that's bob dylan watching you wait television. i need a segue because this will be maybe funny so did you ever listen to the the Theme Time Radio Hour? No. This is my favorite episodes. Theme Time yeah. Radio Hour ever. <clears throat> Next song is going to be Coffee and TV by Blur. Because I love coffee 
and I love TV, <laughs> and I love Blur. Do 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 You know, um, but That's awesome. But yeah, the the idea. I think what we have found uh, as technology pushes forward is that the more access we have, the more uh, it benefits us as a culture. Like not not just like cult- being culturally aware, but I, I, mm. I think enables people to think about things that maybe they wouldn't, you know, maybe uh, there's a guy who never thought about being a songwriter, but mm. all of a sudden this pops up because Pepsi is sponsoring it, you know, pushing yeah. it on the web and he sees it and like, holy fuck, what's, that's what, that's what you can do with writing? Well, I would, here's my other, my other moment of kind of tension or doubt about it is that when you start to have, um, about how great it is or where it belongs, I'm sorry, <laughs> about, about how great it is, um, is, is that you get, you know, you get these, 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 when things start to become super well documented and memorialized, they also can atrophy a little bit. And you see it like with, um, you, you see it with like jam bands where like there's just this towering Grateful Dead figure. I think you see it to, to a certain extent with jazz. Like I think mm-hmm. I, would, I would bet you that, that the Miles Davis Newport box set sold four times more than the Kamasi Washington album did last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I would bet you that there were more. About both, by the way. Yeah, right. No, and they're and they're and they're both fucking excellent. Everyone should should yes. buy both. But I but I bet there are more old people who love jazz who can tell you why the alternate version of flamenco sketches on the complete Columbia box set is more interesting than the version that's on Kind of Blue than there are jazz buffs who are like listening to what Chris Potter or um Brad Meldow or whoever. Donnie McCaslin. Yeah, Donnie McCaslin. Yeah. But, you know, so, so, so that's what I struggle a little bit with, too, is like at what point does it become so backward looking that it transforms the music that the people claim to love into like a repertory kind of, mm. you know, codified thing that can't evolve as opposed to something that looks forward and tries to find new ways to um, express itself. So. Patrick? I, I, <laughs> hanging his Maybe head. Maybe we can... <laughs> close this out sort of one to answer the question personally would I rather that it were available publicly in a format that I didn't have to say fly to Tulsa to take advantage right. of of course which you're gonna do I would but I if I can retire early and move to Tulsa that's what I'll I'll just sunny Tulsa my favorite quote in the New York Times article by Kaiser whomever was like People didn't move to Portland or Seattle till they had a draw either. Like, are you saying Tulsa's the new Portland? Uh, anyway, so, uh, but yes, of course I would like better, easier access, and I'm sure other people would as well. But there's also like a, maybe what you're, I'm going to come back to your point, Eduardo, but maybe what we're toying with here is what is the role of private property with regard to, you know, the archive files of a great artist yeah. who... It would serve the it would serve a public good to make those available yes. not as private property. Yes, which is sort of the role of the Smithsonian in a way. So like that that's the harder question, and I think a lot of this will be treated as public property. It'll just be in a sp- space that's not entirely. And maybe, maybe it'll be doled out. Yeah, it'll be doled a, out in, in, chunks, in, in and chunks. I'm and sure there'll be another. Uh, he's apparently recording another song, a, co- a, a, a album of American classic 
songs, covers, like the last album, which I couldn't make it through, which I hate to admit. The Frank Sinatra. Yeah, yeah. I'm, but, um, I'm so, right with you there, stuck on so, track three somewhere. So, <laughs> so who, I mean, who knows? They're still going to rip me off and release another bootleg series that I can't help but buy. But so, so it's not like he's hurting or, or the private interests are hurting. So maybe that's the argument is just come on, make it public. On the, with regard to the legacy thing, like there's never going to be a point where people who were alive in 1965 aren't going to say, you didn't see Coltrane, you didn't see Dylan, you didn't see whatever in that era and, 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 and all those things. On the other hand, there are probably 50 years after the first performance for Hamlet where like you didn't see Garrick or whatever his right. name was that originated right. the role. I well, mean, like that's how it goes. To that point, to be morbid, you know, uh, you, we were all, all three of us on the, on the Bowie podcast. Yeah. And I wonder how much that like contributed to oh, this. Sh- if Dylan, I'm sure if, that he did not take that well because right, right, there is a yeah. song to Bobby and, on, and, uh, right. on Hunter and, and it is, and it is a matter of, of looking at this stuff as we all get older and realize our mortality that 74, <clears throat> yeah, but not even not not him, us. No, right. Like yeah. like as somebody you know in middle age, like I want my nieces' kids to know who Dylan is, mm-hmm. and the reality right. is is that time just keeps going, and there may be a time when people are like, like Dylan, who. I know that. Well, I know that breaks your brain. <laughs> as compared to many other artists, that phrase will be uttered. Later than ninety nine point nine 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 percent of musicians, but yes, there will come a time. I, I mean, where really? I mean, but there I are mean, kids. At the rate we're going, like, uh, imagine dragons will be eternal. Hey, my spouse <laughs> works with someone who, when David Bowie died, sh- the person shall remain nameless. She did not know who David Bowie was, and she's thirty yeah. something. Yeah. That's crazy talk. Yeah, I mean, she yeah. hadn't seen Labyrinth apparently, exactly. which. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean, uh, yeah, I guess it, it is, and, and that is, I. I advocate for it to be out public it's it's good mm-hmm. it's a step it's it's there's stuff out there it's not stuff that i necessarily will look at uh because i'm just like in the moment man <laughs> <laughs> i subscribed his it's like you weren't happening it happened then but uh but but i will uh yeah uh, i'm excited for uh, i'm excited for you patrick well I, let's <laughs> You know, maybe since Dave and I covered the Wilco Festival and wrote a, a gigantic, well, he wrote and I took photos for a gigantic manuscript about our conversations in and around that concert. Yep. I think what Chunky Glasses should do is pay for us to, <laughs> to drive to Tulsa With, to go to the Dylan Archive and just write about it and take photos. So well, that's we, what I'm advocating. This is we, Patrick's Indiegogo. We I think. pay in cat hugs <laughs> and uh, bourbon, which you're drinking right. now. So Excellent. Uh, is, that, is that good? It works for me. Uh, yeah, so uh, history nerds, Dylan nerds, uh, get ready to get your uh, freak on, man. That's just fucking... Get current. Yeah. Uh, notebook. You guys ready to talk about some uh, rock and roll? Yeah. Sure. Thank you. 
that track is uh, Astonished Man from Tao uh, Nguyen's uh, Tao and the Get Down Stay Down actually Tao Nguyen and uh, Adam Thompson are the core members their uh, most recent album A Man Alive uh, we are a fan of this band on this podcast in fact uh, we talked about We the Common back in 2013 in fact my lady is, is one of the biggest fans of, of her uh, I am scared of her because I, I can't talk to her because she's so awesome uh, I'm just throwing that out there so your lady or Tao? Uh, was unclear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Personal pronouns. This is uh, their fourth album. Uh, as you got from uh, those sounds drifting in and out of your your ear holes, uh, there's a little like a little funk mixed in there, a little aggressive uh, beat making. Uh, there's some groove. There's some groove. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of groove. There's always been a groove in her music. Uh, started off. Uh, really small, got uh, the notice of the NPR audience really quickly. If you haven't seen uh, Down to Get Down, Stay Down play, you're missing out on a better part of life. It is one of the mm-hmm. most, they're just some of the most energetic performers I think I've ever seen. Um, you know, And that was something that they wanted to bring to this record, actually. Uh, there's a quote from uh, Tal that says, I wanted to make a record that was very introspective and personal, but would also seek to communicate... Uh, and then we would just have fun performing. Not just fun, but I want a kind of crazy rabid animal energy. It's <laughs> my favorite thing about performing. You can tap into this frenzy. Yeehaw. Um, I think they've been chasing that their whole career, and I think uh, they might have hit it this time. I think you're right. I yeah? think, uh, I think um, you know, the first, the their very first album... Um, we Brave Beastings was very guitar driven. Yeah. Um, and it was very like, it was, it was excellent. It had like, it showcased her uh, just incredible um, affinity for like these big hooks. You know, she just, she just has like a pop instinct that is just so good. And, and I mean that as like the highest compliment. Um, and, uh, and, and I really love that album because it was just very much in my like nineties indie rock guitar driven wheelhouse. Um, and then it took me a while to get used to, to, uh, know better, learn faster. And then, uh, we, the common, which I think are both good albums, but I think they have this problem where they have three or four just magnificent songs, three or four songs that are like, not that I'm not quite sure of. And then three or four songs that are just weird. Yeah. They, they have gears. Yeah. Yeah. They and this gears for sure. And and I feel like this album is the first time where they were like, instead of having roughly a quarter of the album be weird songs, let's just make 25% of every song a little bit weird. So that, so that a quarter of the album is still right. profoundly bizarre, but it's all in the service of these great, you know, big, bold songs. And, and should note at this point that uh, Meryl Garvis of Tune Yards was yes. actually the producer. Her imprint is yeah, her imprint yeah, is strong. Discernible. And, and you know, they're they're notably uh, good friends. And I wonder mm. like how much influence. Like obviously she's the producer, but how much that had a because even uh, you know I did not uh, like Meryl's. Most recent album as much as I like to kill, mm-hmm. which is not yeah. saying anything disparaging. It, it is like it, it's like it, both are still better than everything, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> right, but <laughs> but you know, Meryl herself moved more towards a, a more pop sensibility and like refining everything for uh, I guess to get her message across a little better. This, go ahead, Patrick. Can I pick up on something he yeah. said yeah. that you're sort of a, a, a acknowledging? 
I made a note here that even though I took very few notes, the, the Patrick Watson album from last year that we talked about, yes. you really liked. And there's, I think, sort of a parallel here in yes. how daring this album is and, and the kinds of risks it's, it's taking. The, hard, the part for me that ultimately I, I had trouble with the Patrick Watson album was he didn't come back around to the hooks enough to sort of satiate my appetite for sort of, uh, I don't know, familiarity or closure mm-hmm. in some of the songs. What I and that's not to knock Patrick Watson. I think it's a good album. What I think you're uh, getting at here, Eduardo, is that the weirdness is balanced by the pop sensibility, the hooks, like the choruses, and some of the choruses are even kind of weird. But they're mixed in with these pockets of like yeah. real serious experimentation that are very cool. And then it comes back out into this thing that's more digestible. And then it goes into somewhere else. And I think. Uh, instead of just sort of constantly changing and composing, there's a, an attempt to make uh, something a little more digestible and poppy, but it's right on that edge. That's what it, I yeah, like about it. Yeah, it is. It, it, it is uh, a nice balance. For, for better or worse, like, you know, this, she, and I say this about her career, not this album right now, this is some of the best of like indie rock that there is because it's truly mm-hmm. pushing, um, like you know, we we've said pop music a lot. You know, it's pushing pop music down people's throats, who by nature, like the fan, like most indie rock fans are like they're rebelling against this type of stuff. But it's like no, no, no. Here's here's some huge hooks, and it, and it succeeds where all indie pop fails. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, I, I was thinking about this because the last time I was here, we talked about the Lucy Dacus album, which I loved for mm-hmm. completely different reasons, and. And I, I don't know if this analogy will fully work, but I think of that Lucy Dacus album as like a very good, like, um, like a, a pot roast or like, just like a, like <laughs> a, a brisket, like a, a brisket, like, a, like, like just a beautiful, like, like, she, like, she it's a, food, like so a she, cuckoo I, vin or like a beautiful like, stew or something, you know, it's like, yes. but like, but like everything is in that bowl. There's a ton of flavors in there, but it's all in that bowl. And this album is more like one of those more <laughs> 57 different small bites, right? And right. if it's done right, it feels like a meal and it all makes sense. But there are so many, so many ingredients and there's no, they're not all contained in this one thing. They're really coming in from all over the place. Half of the like instrumental flourishes come from instruments that sound like they've been sitting outside someone's house for like a couple of summers. There's like a broken toy piano <laughs> on one song. Yeah, right. There's, there's broken right. vocals. In yeah. There. There's yeah. stuff that like, at first I was like, is the file bad? It's like, what's going on? Like, <laughs> yeah, I right. The same issue. Right. And, but it's not. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's intentional and it's, it's intended to like kick you out of your comfort zone. Like you're, you're super comfortable in this super pop space that she's created. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh wait, you're just no, like, yeah. No, no. And, it get, and, yeah. and I, I think it's an interesting, and I don't know if this is intentional on her part, but I think it's a fantastic musical trick in that it forces you, uh, t- to pay attention. Yeah. Um, it, it, it jolts you out of, I'm in my groove, I'm in this. And all of a sudden you're like hyper aware of what's going on. Like this is wrong. And then, I'll, but you're, yeah. you're, you're paying attention to that. And that, I mean, that's manip- manipulative as fuck, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, right. You definitely see the, like, you know, the sort of that, the unseen hand of the producer, um, swooping in. And I think, um, 
one place where that happens is like the sort of the the climax of the song guts i think uh-huh. where there's that weird looped vocal yes um and and when that happens you you go through that like initial mechanical like oh something's wrong with the file like i got to look at my phone yeah, like that's is this wrong what i'm speaking of bro. and then and then once you start to expect it like the last time i heard it i thought oh she sounds like a broken marionette or something like she sounds like a oh, broken yeah. doll or something and and that's and that kind of feeds into what that song is is saying a little bit, um, and so and so the production is very much in service of the message of the song. Now, I originally, uh, in hearing this, thought it was a uh, more of a breakup album. Turns out, you tur- sold me on that, and then uh, yeah, you, and then yeah, and then you're gonna zag. Yeah, it tur- turns out it, uh, she wrote a lot of this about her relationship with her father. She's from here in in uh, in Virginia, like in D.C., uh, Falls Church. She she is a, she is a local a, yeah. a long time local, uh, and then I not too many years ago moved out to San Francisco, mm-hmm. and you know, her family is apparently pretty close and uh, pretty old school, and that that according to what I've read caused rifts in her family. And this album is actually not so much addressing a relationship, but well a, a romantic relationship, but addressing a relationship with her father, which. Throws everything into a, a yeah. wildly different context, uh, especially you know you have songs like uh, like Millionaire specifically. Yeah, like, it's just specifically That's a hard song. Yeah. yeah, you mean uh, you, do you mean the lyric? Um, sorry, Dad, I am broken a million pieces. That yeah. makes you a millionaire. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, yeah. that's tough. Uh, Astonished Man as well. Mm-hmm. I think I think is is that. Uh, Slash burn. That 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 does that was like the missing piece for me because I'd picked up on the idea that there's like there's a theme of masculinity that she's dealing with on this album, mm-hmm. and she's both saying like that. I I think she's both making fun of kind of traditional male ideas of like I have to explore and be strong or do all these things, and the idea is and you can't maintain like a normal healthy relationship with another human being mm. who's right in front of you. Um, and what was missing for me was the piece of realizing that, oh, and that person who needs to do all these things or prove all these things or, or be this imaginary person is actually her dad who can't just be a dad, you know, and, and, and maybe not even that's, that's not correctly stated, um, not relate to her as a human being, yeah. right. Who has to be stuck in this role and say like, there are these things that, that I do as a man and she can't say but I'm I'm your daughter, and maybe you should just treat me like a human being. So. Yeah, yeah, and I think let's hit a track right now, which yeah. which yeah. which in that context actually makes it a uh, this is a very confusing track because it could be about that, and it could be just about, again it's it's the dichotomy of like the the patriarchal relationship or the romantic relationship. Uh, talking about meticulous bird, this happens yeah. to be. Uh, and you guys can agree or disagree. I don't care. Uh, will be the uh, most groovy song on the, on the album. So, uh, meticulous bird from town to get down, stay down.
Uh, so we were talking about this offline. Um, I said it, it offline or when the song was playing that I'd be shocked if this isn't on my uh, sort of best of 2016 Spotify playlist. The one CD version with only like 20 songs on it. Yeah. Uh, which I, I that means I've listened to the song close to 150 to 200 times and said I'm still not sick of this. And yeah. I think I've listened to this album twice. I'm yeah. pretty sure that song is going to be on it. <laughs> yeah. I also will say for the record, I, I usually the closest I get to, to really endorsing a song when we're doing these, you know, when we're really listening to the album for the first time is I'll say good or great or I really like this. I wrote, wow. I wrote, sounds like Beck had a baby with PJ Harvey. Yeah. Uh, and I mean Odalay Beck. And then I just wrote, because I'm a big Odalay fan, I just wrote Odalay down the side <laughs> of the column and put a box around it, which is we'll, we'll pretty much the highest compliment I can give other than sounds like Bob Dylan. Yeah, it, that is um, that is digging deep, I think, for both her and, and for uh, Meryl Garbus. Uh, into uh, their love of hip hop and everything that I mean that is a hip hop song mm-hmm. with Playing great lyrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I, I I I chose Stone Cold Beef with with regular. I can't <laughs> remember what she says, and then she said, "Grow my hair so long to wrap around." I mean, the lyrics mm-hmm. are crazy fun, and yeah. but weird. Yeah, they're fun. They're weird, but they're, they're muscular as shit. Right. And, and yeah. that's that's honestly they're, they're menacing. Right. Yeah, yeah. At some point. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh my God! You didn't know I got ferocious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, you, I, I mean, I don't know where to go from that because it's just this is before hearing this album was not the album I would have expected from Town to get down, stay down. After hearing it, it's exactly the fucking album I would expect yeah. to hear from Town to get down, stay down. Well, it's it's like the realization of. Um, there's that song. I think it's on No Better, Learn Faster uh, that opens with a vocal thing saying sad people dance to or something like that. Mm-hmm. And this album is like the full realization of that ethos. Like this is this is a freaking dance party for people who are not feeling that great about life um, and who want to shout about the fact that they're not feeling great about life and do so yeah. triumphantly, you know, which is just a hell of but a how, Let me ask you guys this. Yeah. How does she bend? Because it is that that's the appeal of of her art is she builds this like cathartic release that somehow you can just you latch into and you feel it too and, and it's more so like when you see her live this is capturing the spirit of seeing her live mm-hmm. on record you know i i listen to this you say listen to it twice i listened to this four times today uh and i every time i was just like fuck this is like the best hour or so of my life this week. It's going to take what is interesting about this. There's a lot of little tiny Easter eggs and pieces of candy buried deep in the mm-hmm. mix here. So th- that you're going to find on the third or fourth or eighth or a hundredth listen that are just wonderful. So that's the, what's also that's amazing. Ac- about this. That's the other thing I want to talk about. This is a fucking headphone album. Yeah, yeah it is. There is no, I, I struggled to, to see how these, these could hit in a dance club. Some of these songs, but to get the subtlety and the artistry that is going into all of this, 
this is like more a headphone album than any Radiohead album that I in recent yeah. past. Like this is fucking like everything on here is so meticulous and and the that is the experience. Mm. You have to listen to it on headphones. And we're talking about talent to get downstate. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, so 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 not only is the is the production like so just finely crafted and expertly pulled off, like the thing like it's just it just sounds absolutely perfect i think i think that that the um i think there are lots of lyrical motifs that show up and repeat Uh uh-huh um there's there's early on there's there's a reference to like um cut it out of me and then that of course shows up on the last song and this like harrowing um image um there's there's a couple of different references to like um you know uh, that we're acting as if nobody dies, which of course is the chorus of one of the songs, and it sort of gets at this question of like mortality and um, and and time and um, the assumption that we're all going to be around for long enough to make amends for the things that we want to make amends for. Right. Like, and that is really heavy shit to hear out of an like I've never I've never had the the quality of thoughts that I've had about my life, my station in life, my relationships. Whoa. People who were dear to me listening to a Radiohead album as I have listening to this album. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's just, it, it, you know, it's music that takes you there if you spend time with it. Picking so. up right off of that, that, this is an album with a capital A. This is not yep. like four yep. good songs and four okay songs. Like, the sequencing, the fact that she gets to, there's a lot of conflict. And I think this is sort of what you're getting at. It's both a exterior toughness bragging about how she can handle things and then this internal vulnerability. I don't want to carve it out of me. But the the last song is such a, um, yeah, Yeah. I don't know, whatever, release. I mean, there's that weird guitar freak out at the end. There's this, uh, I mean, the vocals are crazy emotional. It's it's just Mm -hmm. really well put together. And I don't know if that's Meryl or Tower both, but... It's just really, well, yeah, really I, well done. I, 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 it's I an it, album from I, top to I, bottom. I think it's the sentiment of if this is an album about her father, like for her, like she clearly is. Uh, you say album with a capital A. This is an artist with a capital A. Yeah, and that you know, and what that implies is that she can say things that have more depth that maybe even she doesn't get. You know, I mean, it's good that we talked about Dylan up front. I'm not comparing her to Dylan, but I mean, this is. Uh, some grade A fucking songwriting. Well, and and as you know, as someone who really loves, let's call it early to mid period Beck, like there's right. some crazy, interesting, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, right. So that esoteric coded lyrics on here that right. are pretty great. So that that last track is called "Endless Love." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and as a statement, once you know if you if you believe that narrative, like you read that, then like that that's the that's the last chapter. That's the epilogue, and. And she plays it like it feels. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, just fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's I, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm really impressed that Patrick has gotten this much out of the album and only two lessons. Yeah. Um, Because it, it, it took me more than a few to crack this one. And even I think when we had it on after we recorded um, last week, we were sort of listening, like you know, distractedly, well, and, and that, that's what I—that's when I realized the headphones thing because I yeah. was like, and it was sort oh, of this like, sounds yeah. sort of like a mess. And then, yeah, and there's a lot happening there. Like we were we were hanging out and talking, and like it's not that kind of album. It's an album that like you know you'll get you'll get a lot out of it if you put a little bit into it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, put it on headphones. Go for a walk. 
Think, so, about, think about your life. So, so uh, let's start with Patrick. Patrick, what are you going to do? I'm going to keep it short. Normally, like I said, I write good or great. I have written in here not only the one I talked about. I have <laughs> I've written awesome, great, <laughs> great, awesome, pretty good, <laughs> wow, Odelay. Uh, <laughs> awesome vertical all caps and then on endless love I literally I wrote holy shit <laughs> so I think even though I've only listened twice I will reserve the right to change my mind but I don't think I'm going to change my mind I, I think this is a buy I, yeah. I've not had an experience where the last time I listened to an album twice and was this excited about it was probably Midnight Vultures like wow and that's right. high praise for me because that's one of my favorite albums of the last 25 years. Like, I think it's really got guts. <laughs> See what I did there? There's a song called Guts. <laughs> it's really got a lot of fortitude. It's really creative. I think there's very little on it that doesn't work. Yeah. It has a perfect balance between hooks, experimentation. There's a little bit of a Chili Peppers flea vibe on the bass. Uh, bass, I'm pointing over here. Yep. Uh, I don't know why, but except I was miming you, a right. bass slapping. Uh, uh, there's just everything you, there's, man, there are pockets in these songs where you go, this could be like a whole song if she just did this for four yeah. minutes. Yep. I mean, it's really something I would really like to see these guys live. But who knows if I'll be able to, but I, I knew you nothing will. about this you band because almost gonna... before before this, and I'm I'm two listens in. I'm blown away by this album. All right, Eduardo, uh, bye bye bye. Um, <laughs> bye. Um, I've I've bought every single uh, one of her albums, so the buy is not a surprise. But this will be the first one that I actually probably buy like uh, on vinyl and not just on my phone. Um. And I think we'll probably be talking about this album again in December. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Before you go, the Metacritic, there's like eight reviews and it's like a 78. What's going on? Yeah. Um, Why I, isn't somebody freaking out about this? Because uh, critics suck. Oh. Like, I mean, there's one I think score over 80. Well, I, think she's, I think she's been so such a consistently strong songwriter mm. that... Um, you know, the way critics listen to music, which is to say professionally and to have hot takes, they might and hear you this. say and, other critics because we're, yeah. we're critics. Right, right. Yeah. We're, right, right. Yeah. we're, we're, uh, yes, of course, we're, we're the right kinds of critics. 23rd, 23rd, <laughs> most influential music blog and yes. five years strong. So, you know, like we, we, we have a, our, our voice occupies a certain corner. Yes. But we, but we are primarily discussion. music lovers, I yes. think. Yes. And if you're a music lover and you hear this, you're going to, you, you know, if you, if you have to write three paragraphs about this for the post or something, your take is going to be a little bit different than if you get to talk about it and work through your feelings and thoughts about it with a couple of really awesome guys. So, uh, Aww. yeah, group hug. Um, and all, two cats. All, all <laughs> the feels before the Republican debate. We're going to need them. That's why I come here to, is, is yeah, to miss, is to miss okay, those debates, <laughs> apparently, because every time I'm it's here, there's a, a Thursday. You're not going to miss them. <laughs> Kevin, what are you going to do with this album? I wonder. Uh, <laughs> come on, Kevin. I, I, I fucking, like, <laughs> I'm going to buy the shit out of this. And I, and I say, you know, I have, there's a few albums that have been like, hey, this is a really good album. This is a really good album. Uh, I'm holding Bowie up right now. Is like that's the album to beat of this year. Anderson Pack and yeah. Anderson Pack, yeah. which we're talking about on Sunday, actually. Uh, mm. But 
it this this is the uh, one of the albums to beat. Mm-hmm. I agree. I and I'm not making Absolutely. a competition. I, I'd I, be surprised if a whole lot beats this. No, I. I have been like you had a theory of like every other album of of her is is yeah, good, yeah, is yeah. good or bad, and maybe I can't remember if this is the every other album. Although I didn't take it to, depends on whether you're like, the common whether you hit on the on the on the one or the two. This is just a spectacular <laughs> fucking yeah. like expression of art that everybody needs to pay attention to. Whether you get the whole thing and enjoy the whole thing, like you need to like turn your focus on this now. See it. See her mm-hmm. live. Mm-hmm. If you're in a excuse me, nice. <laughs> if you're in a band, uh, go see her because she will teach you how to be a better band. Yeah, uh, that that I do know. And and armed with these songs is fucking. This is like this is gonna be an epic. This tour. is like rock. It's gonna be an epic tour. Yeah, yeah. yeah, this, yeah. this is fucking outstanding. So that is uh, that is talent to get down, stay down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a man apart. And, I was told uh, on the alive. Lucy Dacus po- podcast we wouldn't all be a bye every time, but I don't know. We're sort of, you know, we're gui- we're, we're guiding it towards that. So uh, we've got a group think problem. So we're going to bring in like a management theory consultant <laughs> to yeah, <laughs> tell yeah. us how to disagree. All of us. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so it's just talent to get down, stay down. A man alive. Uh, I guess a group. Fuck yeah. Not to say, not to say, not to say I wasn't grieving in the Not to say, not to say, not to say I want another just like the others I We reached the time in the podcast when we like to play a little track. I've been uh, letting you guys pick some tracks. Uh, Eduardo has the devil horns up. He, <laughs> he knows uh, what's going on here. Um, you know, we, we just did a metal podcast, Eduardo. We did. A while did. back. Yeah. Uh, but, but it just it just came out. Uh, so I guess it's, it's fitting that we uh, revisit our metal here. Uh, talking about a band... Called Aransi uh, Pazuzu, which is uh, let, let me break this down for you. They're Finnish. Um, the band's name uh, is literally uh, Orange, and Pazuzu is a mythical demon of the wind. I think Pazuzu <laughs> was mentioned in uh, in The Exorcist. I'm not lying. Okay, yeah, I'm not okay. making that up. And I and I should have looked that up beforehand. Wow, uh, it was a little like idle. It may be Exorcist Two, which nobody saw and probably nobody should have seen. I confuse that with Repossessed all the time. The <laughs> Leslie Nielsen vehicle. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, this the name of this album is uh, Varhat. I, I can't speak Finnish. Uh, it translates into Oscillator. That, that's horrible that I just said that, but whatever. Because what we're talking about is is supreme black metal here. Uh, this has uh, been labeled psychedelic. It's been labeled black metal. It's been I like people are sort of stoked for this. It got two reviews uh, today. I finally saw one in Spin. Uh, although I, I've known wow. about it for a while, and I just finally like figured out that it was out. Uh, so we're gonna play the uh, single from this, which I will mispronounce, like just ruin it. <laughs> uh, 
Hypnotistu Viracus. If that doesn't sound like evil, I don't know what does. <laughs> Let's go.
So let me let me follow up with that. Uh, members of that band, I'm going to read this list. This is an epic list. You want one of us to read it? No, no, okay? I, I, I'm going to read it. All right. Uh, June Hiss on vocals and guitar. Evil. Working prop on guitar. The Hollow on bass. <laughs> Korjak. Korjak. Could be Koyak on your drums. Where's my man Evil? Who's on Evil? He's oh, he's on keyboards and percussion. He, percussion and yeah. <laughs> evil. 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 Uh, that is, uh, that is uh, metal as fuck. It is, uh, and actually, the, the whole album, is, it, it lives up to the psychedelic thing. It is a trip that I don't know that I'd want to take, but maybe uh, it could be an interesting endurance test. And I mean that uh, in the best <laughs> way. <laughs> because if you are even slightly altered, uh, taking in that is, uh, and I think that's the point of a lot of metal and like, or a lot of black metal at least. It's it's extreme. Right. It's meant to like tap into like these base human like feelings, not even emotions, just like instincts. And uh, is it wrong that I'm viewing this as a challenge and that now I have to like go home, trip balls, and, and this? this? <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you're going to do? Oh, to be 17? Yes. Yeah. Um, Patrick, how do you feel about that? I'm not a huge metal guy. Yeah, yeah, I know. It was okay. Yeah. I didn't mind it. You feel the visceral? I wouldn't do like multiple, like I wouldn't do the next song. I'd need to go walk around for about an hour after I heard that. <laughs> That's and good metal. I'm certainly not going to trip anything and listen to that, but yeah. it was uh, it was okay. I'm okay with some black metal. It's Yeah. Uh, All right. It's better than white metal. I'm just going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Um, That is about our podcast uh, for this week. Thank you guys for coming down. Uh, As usual, you can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, You can download us through Tinder. Tinder. No, no. (laughs) Gus is on Tinder, but yeah. Uh, I'm doing that every podcast I'm on. He's down here now. Uh, Email us. We'll read it on the air. (laughs) That's actually true. Uh, But uh, there's a variety of apps you can download us uh, with. Uh, and, and I'll say this, you know, listen to this, please go back and listen to the Lucy Dacus podcast. More more importantly, listen to the fucking... Listen to the album. Listen yeah. to the album. Uh, that I mean, was, we're great, but the album is... Yeah, yeah, the album is spectacular. So, you know, uh, and then uh, coming up, we got a, a lot of good stuff. Uh, Phil Cook is impending. He is. Uh, Anderson Pock, you probably... We'll be out before this one, so if you guys haven't heard that album, get ready. It's uh, good. It's good. And the uh, King album, also get ready for there. You're going to hear a lot of 80s references you wish you never <laughs> heard. Uh, so uh, I guess we'll see you guys in a few days. Until then, uh, please get out and see some music. Uh, be good to yours and be better to your people. Talk to you later. Oh, <laughs> 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 <laughs>